Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by Mr. Russell Keith. Russell, are you well? I'm very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Um, soldiering on. Um, <laughs> as, as the years roll on, you feel the aches and pains a little bit more, don't you? Is that right? Oh, <laughs> you've you've had to come right yet. You, you've got all that to come. Um, is, that, is, that, is that right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, now, you've had uh, a bit of a varied career, haven't you? You've been uh, have, yes. in a couple of bands, and some people may know you for your connection with Slade. I, w- I was going to say, we'll get that out of the way, but that sounds a bit dismissive. But how did that come, <laughs> ab- how did that come about? Um, the Slade thing? Well, mm. because um, I used to play in Les McEwen's band. Um, I was in Les McEwen's band for 16 years, from the Bay City Rollers. Yeah. And um, well, we went to America a few, quite a few times. And John, uh, our bass player, uh, the Slade bass player, used to come to um, the states with with uh, the Bay City Rollers. And uh, he asked me about two years ago if I fancied doing the Slade thing because they didn't need a new singer, and uh, that was it, really. Did you feel it was a bit daunting though, taking over from the legend that is Noddy yeah. Holder? Well, yeah, well, the thing is. You can't because Noddy Holder's not done it since 1992. Mm. Um, so there's been a few since before me, and but we share the singing, John and I. So um, I don't sing all the songs, but you can't replace Noddy Holder. It's impossible. Yeah, um, you have to do it the way that you do it, and we try and do it, you know, in the best way that we can, uh, and it works out pretty well. In yeah. fact, it works out very well, really. But it is it is daunting, and it's quite and it's very difficult as well. Because Noddy sings quite in you know, quite a high timbre, um, so it's a bit of a. It's you have to practice and warm up a lot before the shows. Well, yeah, because they're they're quite full on, aren't they? A lot of those songs. They are, yes, and I, I tend to do the more full on ones. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, come on, feel the noise and things like that. And it's great. I mean, it's the, the fantastic songs to sing. They're absolutely brilliant songs to sing, and. We generally, or mainly, get a really good reception. We get a few detractors, obviously, because mm-hmm. um, there's some people, you know, oh, it's not like it used to be, and all that sort of thing. But of course, it isn't like it used to be, because um, Noddy's well, not been in it for since '92, and it's not going to be the same. No, no, it, it's like people that go and see Queen now. It, it will never be well, exactly. the same. Yeah. Well, most bands that you can—I mean, there's not many. I mean, there's only, well, not even the Stones. Because someone would say it's not the same without Bill White, but no, it's not yeah. the same without, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I so mean, you know, it's, it's, it's great normally. It's, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And it's a great band to be in, and Dave's fantastic. That, Dave's got more, that, more energy than I have. <laughs> <laughs> but that band and that uh, genre of music is somewhat different to what you do as a solo artist, isn't it? it well, it is, yes. I mean, that's sort of like my day job, I suppose. But even when I was in the Rollers, doing the basic roller stuff, that's completely different than, you know, that's not something I would have listened to when I was growing up. Well, um, what were you listening to when you were growing up then? Oh, um, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, all the sort of British, sort of bluesy rock bands, really, I suppose. Um, Zeppelin Purple, things like that. But also, uh, bands like the Beach Boys. I really like the Beach Boys. Um, I mean, in my house, when I was a kid, 
we didn't really have any rock and roll stuff. It wasn't that sort of. We had things like the Carpenters, mm. and that, my dad, my dad liked the Carpenters. Or there was an electro, uh, Japanese electronica dude called Tamita. So I didn't really get into sort of music in that way till probably really till Alice Cooper in 1972 when I first heard Schools Out, and that sort of put a light bulb off in my head, and I went, "Oh, quite like that." Right. And, so, and that was it, really. I was going to say, was it maybe somebody at school that introduced you to that kind of thing, or was it just what you heard on the radio? Just what we heard. I remember there was a there was an iconic Top of the Pops Alice Cooper thing in '72 when the band were on, and also David Bowie doing Gene Genie, mm-hmm. because no one had ever seen anything like that before. You know, David Bowie with makeup putting his arm around Mick Ronson yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, people went, "What is that?" You know, it was. Eye-opening, really. I'm guessing we're of a similar age, but uh, people, younger people who might not have seen those clips or grew up with that kind of music, probably think, "What are you talking about?" You know, that, that's. Well, of course, no, of course. It's, it's almost the norm nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, but without all those things, you wouldn't have had Marilyn Manson. You wouldn't have had, you know, all those theatrical type. Similarly, I've, I've said for a long time, if you didn't have the blues of the 1920s, 1930s, you wouldn't have what you've got now. Well, well, you can go, you can go, you can take that as far back as when music ever started, um, wherever that was, you know, in the dim and distant. It's all related somewhere. Mm. All of it. It's also all music related to some some degree. Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, because it just is. The development of music and the evolution of music is something that you champion, isn't it? I think I think most people do really. I mean, if you listen to, I mean, I tell you what, we were. I was one of the things that influenced me quite a lot was when I was in. We were in this. I was in Canada with Les. Um, we were touring in Canada, and there was a um, Canadian blues blues band called uh, Big Sugar. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, well, they did a, in. They did a song called "Digging a Hole," and and that was again another light bulb thing. It was like you know, blimey, this is brilliant. This is, I want to do something like that. Not necessarily mm. with the Rovers, but with, with something that I might be writing myself. And that sort of started off a T-belly sort of thing. But I was going to say, was, was that the, the seed of T-belly then? I think it might have been. And also, when, was in the, when I was in the Rovers, we used to do sound checks. And we'd do, obviously, do all the sound checks. And we'd have a bit of a jam around. And invariably, it ended up being blues-based sort of rocky jams. And I think over the years, because I, mean, I did that for a long time, that sort of it transpired from there, really. I think. Well, also listening to the Purple and Zeppelin and Fe- Doctor Feelgood and people like that. Well, you do have a, a sort of work ethic when you're performing. You're quoted as saying, "If the audience have felt nothing, then you failed." Well, of course, yeah. Even if they hate you, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that's just—I don't think that's just a quote for me. I think that's a thing that's a, it's generally accepted, really. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing you can do at a gig is if people—I mean, I've done it. I've had it with the Rollers where people, if you've been in somewhere, I don't know, maybe, then they just stand there and don't actually do anything. Mm. That's the worst thing. If they throw things at you, that's fine. <laughs> or if they, you know, it doesn't really matter. As long as you instill some, get some reaction out of people, I think that's, a, I think that's the most important thing. Making yeah. them happy, I think, is probably the most important thing. Seeing people smiling when you're playing and singing along is amazing. That's That extends whether it's a room full of people or two people, as you are quoted as saying, you played to two people. No, and that that did happen. That happened in a a, a little town in America. I can't remember where it was. And they hadn't advertised. And we got to the gig and they said, look, we've only sold two tickets. And we said, oh, okay. 
um, and we can't so we can't pay you because obviously they haven't generated any money. Mm. But we'll give you food and as much beer as you can drink. So we said okay. So these two young ladies turned up in the full roller gear, and we put all our you know donned our you know our attire, and uh, did the show, did the whole show for them, and it was great. Yeah, I and would... it's those things you remember are quite you know rather than the massive big kicks that we do. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be in the band myself years ago, and I have literally, well, we have played to one man and his dog. Um, yes. But, you know, the dog enjoyed it. That was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't want it to happen all the time, because that would be a little bit of a failure. But, you know, it, it happened that once, and it was great, and it's something you don't forget. But you can play in front of 20,000 people and completely forget all about it. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have all that, or it could be a brilliant show. It all depends. It's, it's all much of a much necessary. So all gigs are great, really. Going on to Tea Belly, uh, they yes. were formed in 2013. Is that right? Yes, something along those lines. When I, I left the Rollers, and it needed needed to do something really, and I started writing some stuff, and I said to my partner, I said, "Oh no, I said I've got these songs now. I'm going to have to form a band." I mean, I've been in bands since I was 16. And it's just like, oh, no, I've got to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get people to, you know, it's like herding cats, getting musicians together for rehearsals and things. So I knew I'd have to do all that business again. Um, and so, but I did. And it was great. And it's uh, really, you know, I'm glad, that, I'm glad that I did. So was that something that had been on the back burner for quite some time then? Well, not really. T-Billy, I don't know. But I've been in, I've done release stuff, or not released stuff, I've recorded albums that hadn't been actually been released properly while I was with Les but it was more in the 80s it was much more rockier type, type affair but T-Belly hadn't no not really no it was born out of you know not being in a band anymore and, and writing some songs and that was it really and then, and then it was born and the there. first album yeah. Dead Men Don't Pray Dead Men Don't Pray yeah that came out about five or six years ago now yeah um, um, there's a song on there Broken which is Broken yes yes Sung yes. from the point of view of a homeless person. Yeah, Ross Ross Lardner, who was the guitarist, he came up with the sort of the chords. We we turned it into the song, and we just recorded it live. He, he, I was, he was in one room, I was in the other room, and we just did it in sort of one take, really, I think that. Was it someone or something that you'd seen that inspired that one? No, well, I don't know. It's difficult to tell. I mean, I live in Brighton, so there's a, there's a lot of homeless people in Brighton. Uh, and you do see them, and it's, there's, there's not loads you can do apart from giving them a few quid or working for a charity and things like that. It's just maybe it's just something that I saw in it, and you, you know, it's it's having things to write about, you know, and what it, what the music invokes in you, I suppose, how it comes out. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go out to think, oh, I'm going to write a song about homelessness. No, because no. I didn't. It's just the way the, the the chords or whatever inspire your brain box to come out with whatever it is, and that's what came out. I suppose. Yeah. And you quoted, it's a great song, but I love playing it live. It's great. It's a really good tune. You're quoted as saying that the the T belly sound comes from the likes of Doctor Feelgood and yes, people like that. I think so. I mean, it's not. We're not. It's not. It's, I think it's a British R and B thing rather than specifically them. I mean, it is a bit of them, mm. but and it, and no one specific at all really. I just think it has that sort of attitude. Some of it, yeah, rather than an American way of doing it. If you like, not to. Um, dismissing what the, the Americans do their blues rocky stuff but I think the British rocky stuff you know like Zeppelin all that purple people like that when they do their bluesy stuff it, it has, a, has a certain characteristic I think yeah 
British British R and B, and I think it has a lot of flavour of that in it. I think that was basically what I was saying. Yeah, and the videos for your recent releases. Yes. Quite quite arty. Did you go to art school? No, no. I'm just like messing about. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No, I mean, no, I didn't. No, I don't have any. I mean, I've always liked making videos and stuff and and photographs and things, but no, I didn't. No. Because uh, there's one with uh, someone with a like a giant bucket on the head walking down the street. Well, yes, I was doing. Um, I've had occasion to. I've worked in uh, television and sometimes, and uh, I was on a set somewhere in London on a council estate, and there was this person, young child, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, and they were walking around with that exact thing on the head. Mm. Uh, just because they do, and I said, to "Someone, why, why, why have they got that on there?" They said, "Oh, I don't know, really. They just do it all the time." <laughs> and I took a photograph of it of this kid because this kid was just sat there with this box with these big black eyes, mm. and it was really surreal. And it just it, it, that photograph fitted the song. I never want to see me again. Yeah, because it's got a box on it. And then the video came about that. That's how the video came about because I just wanted to. Just an idea. You've got to try and you have to think of something for videos. So that's what came up. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the song "Walk with Me." That's yeah. You say that's the first one you've ever written on the bass. Yeah, because I had to learn. I had to learn the bass for the Slade shows because uh, our bass player John plays violin. John Berry he plays violin on one of the songs. And when we were first rehearsing, he said you'll have to play the bass on this. And I wasn't. I'm not a bass player. I'm not even. You know. I'm only sort of a, a little bit of a guitar player, and that's only because I'm learning at the moment. But I learned it, and it's fine, and I really enjoyed it. And I was rehearsing one day, and I started messing about, and that bass bass riff came out, and that was it. And then half an hour later, the song was written. So that's how things tend to work. So you don't have a, a method for songwriting. It's just it could either uh, be the melody that comes first or the lyrics to come first. Yeah, I mean it's a lot. Of, I don't know really. It's a lot of it. If, if you're a bit not if you're bored, but if your brain starts wandering around, words can come into your head, or when you're at the piano, or when the, there's no set, there's no set way of doing it, and you don't really know. I think most songwriters would say you don't really know when it's going to happen because you don't really. You just know that you have to get it out. And a, a brilliant quote I've seen from you is uh, the best advice that you ever got was if you make a mistake, don't stop, just keep on playing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I used to be guilty. Yeah, I used to be guilty of that myself. I make a mistake. Oh no! But you just say, no, just you play don't. through I mean, it. You can, yeah, you just play through it. You can. What you go? I mean, generally, um, audiences don't notice. I mean, the band will notice if they take if they're making you know if they're taking notes of what everyone's doing. But mm. you just have to play through things. I mean, it's, when I've seen bands, it, we did actually when I was with Leslie, we were in Tokyo a long time ago and we had an acapella intro to a song and we started a four-piece acapella started it but we started it in the wrong key <laughs> without realizing so when when we uh started playing the actual tune it was a almighty mess <laughs> <laughs> so we did have to stop we did have to stop then uh let's let's just said stop 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 let's try that again <laughs> So we did, and after we decided again, it was fine. But I think that's one of the only times I've actually stopped a song. So, <laughs> I mean, your influences, your love is blues-based. Yeah, so, I so, mean, but I also like ele- electronica. I really like electronica because um, maybe that's because of the Tamita thing when I was a kid growing up. I mean, I like, quite like hip hop. 
I do I mix I mix uh, hip hop for a guy around here in my studio. So you know, there's all different things really, but mainly I'm a I'm a bit of a, a rockier type side of music, I suppose. Well, I was going to say when you were touring America with the various mm. bands. Did you do a homage to the places that inspired the music that inspired you? Uh, well, not really, because you don't really get a lot of time, to be fair. I mean, because we, we're in and out of places pretty quick. I mean, we played in Boston. We played at Aerosmith. Aerosmith did have, or maybe still have, a club in Boston mm. next to the next to the. I think it's a, it's a Red Sox. Right next to the next to their stadium. We played there, uh, and there's things like that. But we don't. You just don't have time, really. Yeah, because you're in and out. You know, people say, "What was Boston like?" I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I, I saw the traffic lights, a hotel, a gig, and then we then we went off. You know, so you don't really get a lot of time to do stuff like that because you just say so you just don't have the time, really. And also, what you don't realise until you've actually been over there is just how long those roads are between cities. Oh, it's mental. Yeah, it's it's, it's madness. It's like it's never ending. We drove Boise in Idaho, and we had to drive to California overnight. And it's just non-stop. It just doesn't stop. It's it's, it's amazing. You don't, you don't realize how big the country is. I don't think until mm. um, you've done you know you've done stuff like we didn't drive right across it, but well, that was a fair journey. We didn't get to California until about eight or nine in the morning. Yeah, because you know, I mean, when you're doing tours, for want of a better phrase, in this country, because the band that I was in didn't really tour that much as such. But if you're driving up to Carlisle, you think that's a bit of a trek. But <laughs> yeah. you go over to America yeah. and you're talking a couple of hundred miles. Oh, yeah, it's not far at all, really. Yeah. It's not far at all. I mean, I've been driving around. I, I did a little tour with The Pretty Things. I don't know if you remember The Pretty Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I did a, I did two weeks with them in Germany. Uh, well, quite a while ago. Years ago now. Played, just playing keyboards for them. Mm-hmm. And that was, maybe that was in a van. And we drove around Germany. And it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it because... We were stuck in the van with Phil and the boys, and they were just telling me stories of their past, if you like, and it was great. So those sort of journeys are lovely. You don't mind. You don't mind then. There's a quote from you. I do fear for the future of live music. Is that because of the pandemic, or was that? Yeah, probably. Right. Probably. I think that's that. That's that's because it's a thing. I mean, actually, we've got a gig. Slade have got a show on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the first show we've done for 18 months yeah the, so yeah I, I do a little bit I do a little bit it's, uh, I think it'll come back maybe that was in the middle of the pandemic when everything was doom laden yeah yeah because um, a lot of venues have closed and possibly won't reopen again well maybe maybe it's difficult it's difficult to tell at the moment mm, um, yeah because I mean Slade have got we've got a Christmas tour um, here in the UK which we did a couple of years ago as well well, they, which they've been doing every year. They, they've been doing it forever. Um, but it'll only be my second one. And hopefully we'll be able to do that. But we don't know yet. Yeah. Not, because you don't know how many people can get in the venue. And if you can't get enough people in the venue, the promoters don't make any money. And therefore the gigs don't happen. Well, what about you but, as a solo artist or T-Belly? Are you booking well, gigs for yourself? Yet. Not yet, no. Because, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit... I'm slightly hesitant to do that at the moment. Um... I've been mulling it over. I did. I've only ever done one solo show, and I, and I was so scared, just me on my own with the piano. Yeah. But it was great. It was actually, it was really good, and I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about doing that. But I, I would like to do because um, there's no band as such 
with Tebo. It's just me and I've had some session guys. Uh, and obviously I've got um, Dennis Dunaway from the Alice Cooper band uh, on the last single. But obviously Dennis is in America, so he's not going to be coming over to play. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I, I, I probably will do some. I probably will do some, but it's not forefront of my mind at the moment, really. You say that there isn't a, a set band for T-Belly. Does this no, go back to what no. you were saying earlier about the logistics of pulling musicians together? Well, yeah, because we, we, we had a band. There was a band at the beginning for the first album, and there was a, had a deal and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we were supposed to go to the States. We had a 15-date tour booked, and there was a glitch in some sort of computer at the State Department, and our visas were held up, so we couldn't go. So the tour finished. We couldn't, we couldn't do the tour, basically. Mm. Uh, and it all went downhill from then on, really, because we were all banking on going to America, because all the PR had been done in America. Um, and that was it, really. So, And you just, it's hard to keep people's momentum. Yeah. It's really difficult to keep people going. You know, we did a few gigs after that, did a couple of shows after that with different guitar. Mike Ross played on a couple of them. Will Wilde came on, did a couple of shows, but people just drift away a little bit, you know, and it's hard to keep them going. So I just thought for this one, right, I'm not going to do that again. I'm just going to pay um, really good musicians, uh, which they were, they were all fantastic, to come and play on it and just do it like that. So there's no pressure on me having to say herd the cats again because mm. it, it is difficult doing all that sort of stuff. I think unless you're paying people, it's quite hard. Yeah. So you say you, you've got no gigs lined up but are you working on new music for T-Belly um, I don't know actually because I'm I'm learning to play the guitar so I'll come up with some stuff on that now being, not being a guitar player really I don't know whether it's any good or not <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um, we'll have to wait and see it's yeah. a bit early yet I mean this album's not come out yet so the album's coming out in October um, so at the moment I'm sort of writing bits but I'm not doing it as a well I must write some new songs I've got some ideas for stuff, mm. but I don't really want to do the same as I did before. I will do some. I'll do something different. But getting over this, this one's taken me uh, a year and a half because of um, well, over a year and a half really because of the, the pandemic and stuff. Because I couldn't get into studios and things. Mm. So it's been a bit of a long, long haul, really. So I'd like to get, get this one out, and then we'll see what happens, and hopefully get some more. Do, we'll do some more slate kicks as well. Obviously, we've got some books. Well, say whether we do them or not, it's a different matter. Hopefully, we will. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing more music from you. And uh, well, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for taking time out to do this. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show. There is always listen again. I'll see you next time. Take care.